You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Hey guys, we're going to talk about 24-7 prayer today. Throughout history, God's people have cried out in prayer 24-7-365. There's an amazing rich history of 24-7 prayer throughout the Christian church as well as throughout the Hebrew history as well. We're going to briefly do a flyby today. A lot of you know that right now in our day, there is an explosion of 24-7 prayer in the 21st century, which is incredible. A lot of people have said, oh, well, it's just sort of a new thing, or it's a fad, or it's the latest church trend, or whatever. But one of the things we begin to see throughout history is that God always had a remnant of people who were pursuing Him with extravagant worship and prayer many times in a 24-7 unceasing way. We're going to highlight that for sure. What What's happening right now in history is unique, uh, but it's not totally unique. It's happened in pockets throughout history. So let's dive in and begin to talk about the history of 24-7 prayer. All right, I'm going to start with one of my favorite subjects, which is David's tabernacle. So all the way back to historic Israel, King David set up a tent and established day and night musical, prophetic worship and prayer. Now, was it 24-7? That's a great question. I talk about it in my book, David's Tabernacle. I tend to think that it was, but there's no way that we can prove for sure that it was literally going nonstop. But it was definitely going day and night. There were those who sang and ministered to God in the night hours uh, in the Tabernacle of David. That lasted 33 years during David's reign. And then after David's reign, he passed that off to his son Solomon, who seemed to have kept the music going and the worship going uh, for a number of years. Uh, Then after the temple was destroyed, there were revivals of what I call Davidic worship that happened throughout Israel's history. So as you read through uh, the book of Chronicles, you get a glimpse of some of these revivals. Um, Jehoshaphat, Definitely understood the value of worship in 2 Chronicles 20. He sent the singers out in front of the army. Uh, the king Joash in 2 Chronicles 23. Uh, Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 29 and 30. And Josiah in 2 Chronicles 35. You also look in Nehemiah and Ezra, Ezra's history after they came back from the Babylonian captivity. And they reestablished worship. This was all based on the pattern that David did. Now, was this 24-7? In all these instances, we don't know. Maybe some of it was, maybe some of it wasn't. Uh, But there was certainly a pattern that David had of what's going on in heaven, where there's day and night ceaseless worship happening. That was David's desire to bring that to earth. And those who went after him were inspired by David as well. So even the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, you know, they were uh, experiencing during these revivals. Uh, and a measure of day and night worship and prayer. And really, that's what it was. These were the kings, the ones I just mentioned, who were the ones that were uh, leading God's people into a return to Him, away from idolatry. They were turning back to God, and they were getting their priorities straight. And part of what that meant was they were establishing that that uh, priestly ministry to God 
using that Davidic order of worship, that Davidic model of worship with live music, the Levites, and all of that, which I don't have time to get into all that today. But I want you to just see that there was even a pattern, even before Jesus, of some expression of day and night worship and prayer. Now, when uh, Jesus came and the church was born on the day of Pentecost, we know that they were in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, praying, waiting, watching, worshiping. Was it 24-7? I don't know. But they were in a posture of waiting, anticipating uh, day and night for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not knowing how long that was going to be. And then when the Holy Spirit came, they continued to gather daily. And, uh, you know, they continued. They were, they were Jewish people. They had accepted Christ, but they were still in this Jewish culture, this Hebrew culture that had developed around the temple, uh, which was an ongoing uh, reality day to day. It wasn't just a Sunday morning kind of thing. And uh, and so it's likely that many of them were praying uh, through the daily offices. There were times of prayer, there were times of worship, and uh, and you know Paul said to the church in Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Jesus told his disciples to cry out day and night. So there was a a deep culture of prayer and worship in the early church. Um, was that happening anywhere exactly in twenty four seven organized way? Uh, that's not 100% clear, but very quickly after the birth of Christianity, you begin to have uh, what would what would uh, evolve into the monastic tradition or the tradition of monasteries and the tradition of monks. And so you had like the desert fathers, those who would go out into the desert and pursue God in dramatic ways and deep contemplation and prayer and solitude. And so early on, you have those who wanted to devote themselves to God in radical ways. Uh, a lot of times, initially, it was just an individual who was maybe trying to basically pray without ceasing. Uh, but then that uh, developed into communities, or what we would call monasteries, what would become monasteries, uh, those that would sort of pull away from the hustle and bustle of the world and develop these communities that were prioritizing prayer, uh, simple lifestyles, and devotion to God. By the time you get to what's sometimes called the Middle Ages, you know, the mainstream church, so to speak, is the Roman Catholic Church. But, you know, there was a lot of corruption within that the mainstream Catholicism. And it, it was the monasteries in, in many places that were keeping true devotion to the Lord alive uh, during the Middle Ages. So the practice and the theology and the mission uh, devotion of the church was really uh, held in place by these monks and nuns who were, who were sort of disconnected from the mainstream church. And uh, even though they were still considered a part of the church, but prayer was a huge part of that. And one of the things that developed early on within the first, you know, within three or 400 years after um, Jesus were these uh, monasteries that began to do 24-7 prayer. So one of the earliest ones that we know of was um, a guy named Alexander and, this, and had a group they called the Sleepless Ones. He was in Constantinople. And so this was, you know, around 400 A.D., so this is three or 400 years into Christianity, and they've gathered together in Constantinople, 
three or 400 monks, and they began to uh, do what they called Laus Perennis, which is, um, I think I'm pronouncing the Latin right on that, which basically meant uh, perpetual songs, perpetual praise, perpetual prayer. So they were trying to literally fulfill Paul's exhortation in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. And so these, these monks continue this cycle, this community of 24-7, nonstop prayer. They were dedicated to it. They got driven out of the city, but they continued it. And then their influence actually spread uh, to a lot of other monasteries. And this sort of became a thing. 24-7 prayer was like a thing that some of the monasteries did. They began to call those uh, the, uh, again, I'm not pronouncing the Latin right, but the acomite, or the acomite, uh, which literally means the sleepless ones. These were the ones who would stay up through the night, and they would pray uh, nonstop. A lot of times, to keep the prayer going, they would use music. They would use chanting, and specifically the Psalms. So they would go through, uh, at the time, there was what was called the daily offices, where seven times a day they would have different liturgy they would go through, and a lot of that liturgy was praying or singing or saying the Psalms. And then what they would do is they'd fill in the gaps by Groups of them, choirs of them, would continue to chant the psalms day in, day out, so that there was um, unbroken praise and unbroken psalms. So in these monasteries throughout Europe in the Middle Ages, you had uh, a number of places that were hosting 24-7 musical prayer, specifically with the psalms, which, by the way, were are mostly the Tabernacle of David psalms, the psalms of David, probably a lot of the same songs that they were singing in that tent in David's day, that now they're singing in the Christian monasteries all across Europe uh, with with these choirs, with these monks, um, what we would call in the modern prayer movement, these prayer missionaries, these intercessory missionaries who were dedicated to song and to prayer 24-7. Isn't that awesome? There was a, there, one of those groups uh, was in Bangor in Ireland, a leader named Comgol instituted uh, a very rigid rule of prayer and fasting, and uh, and his movement took off and attracted thousands of people. This was in the sixth century, and Bangor became famous uh, for their music and for their songs, for their singing and for their chanting. And many of the monks were sent out as missionaries from Bangor um, to other places, and they carried that heart for musical worship. Uh, everywhere, everywhere that they went. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. 
When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. So they practice that same Laos Peronist, that perpetual psalmody, I think is how you say it, perpetual psalmody, perpetual songs, perpetual worship uh, in these sixth century monasteries as well. Uh, And then, you know, hundreds of years later, Bernard of Clairvaux would, would speak of these monasteries, and he said, the solemnization of divine office was kept up by companies who relieved each other in succession so that not for one moment, day and night, there was an intermission of their devotions. Isn't that amazing? Just celebrating that there was not a moment where there was a break in their devotion to the Lord. And so throughout the you know Middle Ages, that's AD 400 to 1500 or something like that, there were these uh, monasteries throughout Europe that were doing 24-7 prayer. This was a part of our Christian heritage. And it, it wasn't mainstream, but God's always had these pockets of people all over the world who have dedicated themselves in these extravagant expressions of prayer and worship and music in the Psalms. Now, the first Protestant expression of 24-7 prayer that we know of is the Moravians. And this was in the 1700s. Uh, in Herrenhut, Germany, the leader, Count Ludwig van Zinzendorf, founded this uh, commune there of some believers, and they were having some infighting, the story goes, um, drama among their community. Zinzendorf was praying that God would heal their community and draw them back to the Lord. And they had uh, what they called the Moravian Pentecost, where one night where they were supposed to be taking communion, uh, they began to confess their sins to one another. The Holy Spirit was poured out. They began to reconcile with one another. And uh, shortly after that time, their devotion for the Lord was growing. Their hunger for God was growing. They decided to set up 24-7 prayer uh, there in Herrenhut, Germany. Uh, they were inspired by Leviticus 6.13, which is a verse about the Mosaic tabernacle where it said the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. So they had shifts of one hour at a time. They had two people per hour. So 48 people was all it took. And they sustained 24-7 prayer with 48 people at a time, saying that the fire on the altar must not go out. Um, And so their 24-7 prayer watch continued for over 100 years from the Moravian community there in Germany. Many missionaries were sent out from that community, and really it was the launch point of modern missions. Uh, William Carey pointed back to the Moravians. John Wesley pointed back to the Moravians. So a lot of the Protestant missionary movement uh, was really released or birthed and traces its roots back to this 24-7 prayer group in Germany. Uh, Just a little company that was committed to day and night prayer. And so this is something that's been in the Christian church throughout history in different groups and different pockets. Notice that it's connected to missions a lot of times, that that God has raised up these missional 
prayer communities that are set apart and that it's deeply connected to God's uh, apostolic mission in advancing his kingdom in regions. So when we are seeing now in the in the 21st century an explosion of day and night worship and prayer like never before, I mean, I'm naming what, five to 10 different groups here that have done 24-7 prayer throughout Christian history, and now we're seeing thousands, maybe tens of thousands of groups that are doing 24-7 prayer in the 21st century. Something unprecedented is happening but it's not totally unprecedented. It's never, it's happened before, but never on this scale. The scale is unprecedented, but the activity is not. The 24-7 prayer is happening in heaven. It happened in the tabernacle of David. It happened throughout the revivals of Israel's history before Jesus. It happened in the early church. It happened throughout the Middle Ages in monasteries. And in the 20th century, we began to see some rumblings begin to happen again. There was a prayer movement in South Korea, it started in the 70s. They had a place called Prayer Mountain. Some of you may have heard of. David Yongi Cho was the pastor of the biggest church in the world. He started this Prayer Mountain where they had day and night prayer. Um, thousands of people would come to Prayer Mountain to pray. Many of them would, would spend the nights in prayer. They had different, you know, uh, places to stay and to live. And, you know, it was, it was crazy. But um, I've read his book, Prayers That Bring Revival, that talks about it. So there was the Prayer Mountain in the 70s that began stirring. That same time, Dick Eastman, uh, with Every Home for Christ, was launching a 24-7 prayer room in California during the Jesus People Movement. Uh, the 70s, they called it the Prayer Corps. So there were some rumblings beginning to happen in the 70s and 80s and uh, in 90s, leading up to the birth of what we now call the Global Prayer Movement with the launch of IHOP Kansas City. 24-7 prayer movement in the UK and ministries like that that have now sort of gone viral all over the world. So anyway, I hope that was interesting. I think it's fascinating. I think it's exciting and inspiring to think about those who have gone before us. I personally am, am currently doing more research into what was going on in those monasteries uh, during the Middle Ages to try to get as much information as possible about what was going on, what the prayer looked like during that time, because to me that's really intriguing and it's hard to get information about it, but I'm trying to learn as much as I can and may share more as I learn more. But I just wanted you guys to get the full sweep from the time of ancient Israel to the, to the time up to the 20 and 21st century. Just follow the trail, follow the breadcrumbs all the way. Uh, this thread of 24-7 prayer and worship um, and how now what we're seeing, again, on a scale that's unprecedented, but that it's not totally unprecedented in the nature of extravagant worship and prayer, monks, monasteries, prayer missionaries, intercessory missionaries, whatever you want to call them, Levites and David's Tabernacle, those people that were fully dedicated to keeping those watches of day and night worship and prayer, that's always happened throughout history. Communities set apart to do wild day and night worship and prayer, that's happened throughout Christian history, even even and even before Christ in the time of David's tabernacle. So, hope that you're inspired and encouraged, and uh, and man, let's go for it more. Let's see more places where God might raise up day and night, twenty four seven prayer and worship. I, I'm inspired by the Moravians. One last note here before I go, you know, I was here in North Carolina at a place called Moravian Falls, which is uh, one of the pieces of property that the Moravians bought when they came to America. And uh, I was there for just a personal prayer retreat 
But I was inspired again, man, by these guys. There were only 48 of them. You know, there was a larger community, but 48 every day that committed to do 24-7 prayer. And I just said, man, how many cities could do this, could do 24-7 prayer if they really wanted to, where most cities have hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of Christians in them. And uh, if if 50 of them wanted to band together or 100 of them wanted to band together, they could do it. They could keep up a, a prayer watch if they wanted to. If we had a revelation that Jesus is worthy of it and the value and the power of prayer and worship, we could do this in cities all over the world. So I think we should, and I'm praying for that and uh, giving my life to this. And um, I hope, hope that you'll dive in as well. Bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, be sure to hit follow or subscribe on what, wherever you're listening or watching, if you haven't done that yet. If you're on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, leave us a comment. If you're on Apple, again, a rating or a review would be great. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget, God's presence changes everything. <laughs>